This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode six. Along with me for this eight-month journey is, as usual, Ian Marchant. Hello, Eric. Hello. Here we go again. Here we go again. Um, yeah. After after it, the it last said ep- eight month eight month journey, there it doesn't seem like eight months. It will do. It might do at <laughs> the end of this one. It might do. It might do. Yeah, the last episode was a special one because um, you know every fifth episode is going to be a special. So uh, we're resetting the clock and we're going back to season one and we're going to the second episode season one was the first episode we're back to season one we're in the second episode because of course the first few episodes of blake seven in season one it was one story arc taken over well it was three or four episodes basically before the tale was told wasn't it yeah i mean it's probably that's what made i suppose the uh the first compilation video work so well is that this is this is almost uh a serial rather than a series for the first few episodes. Um, yeah, t- tonight's episode, it sounds like uh, an American police <laughs> thing, doesn't it? Tonight's episode, Spacefall. Um, it, a lot of fans consider this the first real Blake 7 episode, don't they? I, the Way Back is um, is sort of kicked out by a lot of fans as not feeling very Blake 7, which I always think... find weird. I, I like the first episode, I think it. It's do you sex. think the yeah? Do you think the people who think that might be Avon fans, and because you don't um, see Avon in the first one? Yeah, I think so. I I I think you're right that it's a certain type of fan that doesn't view the first one with any merit. Um, mm. And it does. You can see with with Spaceful, you're starting to it's starting to become the Blake Seven that we we know and love. Um, the characters are not quite not quite set. Um, but I, yeah, it it is weird how Blake Seven fans seem to um, uh, discount certain episodes. That, yeah, that didn't happen. That's not Blake Seven. Very strange. Well, we did mention, didn't we, in in our very first episode that the very first episode of Blake Seven wasn't very science fictiony. This one, no. yes, you are. You're on you're, you're on board yeah. the London, and you're on your way to Cygnus Alpha. So here we are. We are in space. We have now got science fiction and. We're introduced to a couple more of our crew as well. Yes, yeah, we're 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 starting to build up the characters. Uh, like I say, they're they're not quite as they would be, but you know, it, it's early it's early days. days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually sat and watched this one yesterday with my wife Anne. She's um she's not a Blake Seven fan. Her her dad was and made uh, her and her brother watch it which I think built up a resentment. Um, so every time I've ever put it on, she's no, 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 not watching that. And she, you know, she'll go and do something else and then uh, put this one on. And um, she really enjoyed it. She sort of had a few nitpicks uh, that I didn't have answers for, like why, why is uh, there smoke in space and things like that? Um, <laughs> my answer was that the special effects guys had a lot of JetX engines left over, but that didn't sit too well. Um, but she really enjoyed it. She thought this was a um, a good 
a good enjoyable episode for someone that that knows nothing really about Blake Seven. So it it, it works. It's you know they're they're introducing it well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I think she's absolutely right. I think you know you didn't need the first episode. You could just say Blake is on his way to Cygnus Alpha with these other prisoners. You didn't really need to see the first episode. This is a good stepping on point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. You're you're probably right there that. If if you were introducing it to someone that isn't a a Blake Seven fan, then yeah, this is probably a better point than the way back. Mm. Um, it's more traditional sci-fi. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And um, straight away, you know, this uh, episode starts. Uh, we see the London. It's bound for Cygnus Alpha, um, and we see the bridge of the ship. Ship, and we've got the the bridge crew there. You've got Commander Leyland. You've got Artex or Artix, um, and the focus of this episode, Sub Commander Raker. Now, watching this episode again for 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 this episode, uh, I was reminded of something that you mentioned back in our first episode of uh, Blake Seven in character, in that the Federation uh, that we see in these early episodes, it isn't what it will become later on. No, definitely um, not. You have fair people. I'm thinking especially of Commander Leyland here. He's he's trying to do the right thing. All the way through this story, he is a voice of reason and he and he, he's harsh but fair, isn't he? He's not yeah. what we're gonna he, see people in authority later on in Blake Seven become. Yeah, it's it's this is this is still a this isn't a military society as such. You still I mean it still seems to be everyday people um i uh, yeah i i found this one fascinating and again on on the back of our discussions uh, each episode and it does i start thinking of things that i you know i've not thought of before and things like that so yeah i i thought this that that Leyland was so he's a he's he seems to be a good man uh he reminded me very much of um uh the captain from the cruel sea Mm, I don't know yeah. if you've seen the film, uh, Jack yeah. Hawkins, um, yes. and he reminded me of him. Um, fair, trying to do his best, but also a little bit. There's a, there's a few things in it where you think he's not willing to to put everything on the line to to stand up for his beliefs. He lets things go that now you would expect in a, a modern show you would expect them to speak out. I mean, there, there's a really interesting bit that i never really picked up before where at the beginning and it's concerning our our lovely uh sub commander raker and leyland says to him um uh raker there's there's a woman on the manifest be discreet mm. and it was like oh i've not <laughs> i've not really picked up on that so so he expects raker to basically rape this woman mm. and he's saying just be a bit discreet about it this time yeah. And I, I thought that was really interesting that this character. So although he's ostensibly the good guy character, he, yeah, which is very strange. It's, it's very seventies. You know, that was happening in real life as well. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of people turning a blind eye to horrific behaviour. Um, and there's a couple of other things in it that, and you think, yeah, he's not. Because I always viewed him as that—that that he's the. He's the good guy in a bad situation. And I thought, yeah, he's not that good. He's no, not, yeah. no. I get the feeling from him that he's just weary. You know, he, yeah. he, he, he's, he's been doing he's this job out. a long yeah. time and he is burnt out and he's weary. This is why he's just, you know, the captain of a shuttle taking these prisoners to a prison planet. And yeah, 
towards the end of this story, you know, Raker does go a bit far, but he still, he could come down on him hard, but he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, no. It's also the fact that the society becoming how it becomes later on is still a new thing because he he sort of, he's weary and says, oh, we requested this part, this fictional made up uh, techno babble part to be fixed. They haven't fixed it. No one ever bothers fixing anything anymore. And it's very, very much that uh, Artex or Airtex or whatever his name is, <laughs> the junior fella, um, he he's expecting it to work, isn't he? He's exp- he's still wide eyed, and that the system he's got is... a naivety yeah. of youth, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That phrase you say there, you know, run down. The ship's run down, yeah. and the commander of the ship is run down it's as run well. Down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The bridge of this ship, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you agree with me, you being a Doctor Who fan, it looks very early Pertwee era type. Yes, but it's very bri- much flat panels, yes. tables. Um, they've, they've, there's a little bit of effort been put into it, in that they've actually got a few switches to press. Um yeah. But yeah, it doesn't look. Again, we're we're back to the analog spaceships, aren't we? Mm. Where it doesn't look very high tech, and it looks it doesn't look. It sounds stupid to say it doesn't look real. None of it's really real, but it doesn't look. Uh, it's not the Nostromo, is it? It isn't. I mean, the Nostromo they made it look real world, but this is yeah. depressingly real yeah. world. It, yeah, you know, it's it's all yeah. dials and big buttons, isn't it? It's not glitzy. Yeah. In the slightest, they're they're basically wearing smocks as well. They're yeah. Um, there's a lot of tabards in this episode. Isn't uh, there? That's the word tabard. Yeah. It's not a smock. It's a tabard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because weirdly, because um, Blake wears his tabard in episode one, doesn't he? Mm. But suddenly, all the prisoners are wearing it. Mm. And it, I, I think I'm, I was trying to think. I wonder if this was originally designed as prison garb, and they just gave it to Blake, or does everyone just wear a tabard? I think everyone. I mean, you know, yeah. back in our first episode, we were saying, you know, there's quite a parallel to Logan's Run, and of course, in Logan's Run, a lot of the people all wore those those yeah. terrible '70s outfits, and we got the same thing going on here, haven't we? Yeah, it's everything's uh... uniform. The uniforms are uniform, if you see what yeah. I mean. Yeah, uh, I suppose it's also stepping out of the, the show itself and into the BBC. It's cheap. It's a cheap costume to make, isn't it? Because they're just wearing normal um, clothes underneath, and then they've mm. got this space tabard on. Yeah, put it uh, over the to, top. Yeah, to put it over the top. It's almost like you, you imagine that was the wardrobe, and they, they're just wearing what they turned up to the BBC in, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to film it. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, the um, I, was, I was thinking as well that like, why didn't, why doesn't Raker go into the military mm. why because this is sort of, it feels like this is the merchant marine doesn't it this isn't mm. this isn't the military this is this is the this is sort of the merchant navy well they it's say not, it's the yeah. civilian ship don't yeah they? the civilian ship london so yeah yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. The, and it's interesting that he's that rake is a sub commander we don't see because because leyland's the captain isn't he I'm sure I think he's the sub-commander yeah. because there he has a history of uh, yeah. indiscretions, I reckon. Yeah. Well, yeah, he could could be. Perhaps that's it. Perhaps he was kicked out of the military yeah. for being for being a bit too rapey. I don't know. 
All right, well, Leyland says to set hyperdrive for time to distort five, and here we're getting our first mention of the mechanics yes. of space travel in this universe. But we, we're, we're going to skip over it because we're going to mention that in an upcoming yep. special episode. So we're going to just skip over that. The London accelerates, and as you say, very Jerry Anderson-esque yeah. billows of smoke coming out of the engine bells. As you say, they used a product called Jetex, didn't they? Yes, um, anyone of a certain shows. age is stuck into a an airfix kit yep, <laughs> and yep. sent it along a washing line yeah and and you do you you get an awful lot of smoke coming out yeah which goes up and you get a bit of flame which go down which is exactly yeah. what comes out the engine bells here but it's not a surprise ian schoons you know famously was doing the special effects at the beginning of blake seven ian schoons learned his craft with Derek Meddings working on the Jerry yeah. Anderson show. So it's absolutely no surprise that mm. this special effects shot of the London Accelerating Away looks like something Derek Meddings would have done, Dunk. including the smoke going up and the flames yeah. going down. And it's a nice-looking model to London. It's a nice design ship. Yeah, it's clunky. It's it's a bread van of a ship, isn't it? But it's, it, it, is. it looks it is. good. It looks solid. It's not elegant. Nothing, nothing right. in the Federation uh, space fleet really could you call elegant the, the no. liberator is elegant but even the pursuit ships they they're you utilitarian know, aren't they they, they are and they've got that yeah. rusty red color scheme to them you know um but uh yeah yeah it's a nice clunky de- design still around you know matt irvin yeah. uh, still owns that so yeah do you, do you think that um the ships being all run down and and the commander being run down and not fit for purpose is why they call him leyland I don't. <laughs> We're back to Thatcher's Britain again, Yay. aren't we? <laughs> oh, well, just pre- just before then, because Thatcher was what seventy seventy nine. But yeah, it was it was yeah. the uh, the the it was leading up to it trade union yeah. <laughs> era Britain. Yeah, because well, yeah. yeah, my dad used to work for uh, British Leyland, and um, it, it was uh, horrendous to just drive past their plant and and see all the parts of the cars just rusting in a field. Mm. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> All right, well, we go back onto the bridge, and you've got Raker, and he's got yep. a clipboard. Now, his clipboard has got very Star Wars-like symbols on them. Yeah, okay. that he runs a pen torch over. For... Yeah, as if he's understanding what they actually yeah. mean. Now, I like the idea that the Blake's world is so far ahead from us that the written world word has changed. But in a couple of stories' time, we see that, no, that's not the case. You have got um, English on signs, you know, top security yeah. written on fences. And I'm always disappointed by that. I, I like the idea that, you know, that it's just so far away from our modern world and has changed so much. But, uh, no, it doesn't last very long. I, I don't mm. know what these glyphs are all meant to mean. Um, there was a... Um... There was a, 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 a nice nod to that in a Doctor Who story called The Invisible Enemy. I don't mm. even remember it. Oh, and, yes. We're, we're, all the, that all the English signs yeah, yeah, were written phonetically, like yes. exit and things like that. And I loved that because I thought, yeah, it, language does change. If, if, if you went back to the 1800s, you would not see the same language on signs and signage that you would now. Well, yeah, 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 it's only a couple of hundred years ago, you know, that S's were written backwards or you had F's instead of S's and stuff. So, yes, yes, language does change. And however many hundreds or thousands of years in the future Blake's universe is, it wouldn't look exactly like it is now. And, yeah, you're right. The the Invisible Enemy is is criminally overlooked. I think that's a a nifty little story. Yeah, I I uh, like it. 
we'll have to do it on effectively speaking you know we'll have to tie it in because of course it's got somebody we're going to be talking about in a couple of episodes time section leader Clegg. that is true yes one isn't he yes big eyebrows yeah with very big eyebrows yeah Yeah. all right so artex he's listening to his uh learning tapes on a device again it's big and clunky isn't it yes it's um and I, I was watching. I think is this the same one we've seen before? But it wasn't that. That, no, that gets used one. later on as well, doesn't it? But yeah, big and clunky, and and with a, they they hadn't obviously, you know, they weren't around yet, but they hadn't quite grasped the idea of inner ear headphones, had they? <laughs> so his his is on like the end of a pen. It is. <laughs> it is. And he he mentions space met. Oh yeah. Now we should have a new tally of all the rubbish time spaces bunged space in front of something it, yeah. to make it sci-fi. You know, um, space met says that there's a meteorite storm ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that. That's out of the way. Uh, Raker is sent down to give his pep talk to the prisoners. Yeah, which he's very enthusiastic about, isn't he? He, it, this is one of the perks of his job, isn't it? Is to abuse people. Um, because yeah, um, Leyland says uh, yeah, give him give him the pep talk, and he's like yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm and up for off, that. Yep, yeah, and off he goes. Yeah. I'm Subcommander Raker, and I think there are a few things you should know. The voyage to Cygnus Alpha will take approximately eight months ship time. During this period, you will obey every order and instruction that is given you. There's a punishment scale for infractions, which starts with long periods of confinement in your launch seat and ends with the commander's right to order execution. If you have any complaints, I don't want to hear them. Understand this clearly. You have no rights whatsoever. None. Questions? Open it up. This is the limit of your world from now on. It has mess facilities, sleeping bays, recreation area. Sort out amongst yourselves how you use it. There are other rules, but you'll find out what they are when you break them. He he loves the power. I love yes. the way that while he's walking up and down and you know telling the the prisoners how it's going to be, I love the way how in the background you got Blake there and he's just like eyeing him up and down, yeah. isn't he? As he's gloating. Yeah, Blake. Blake is really um, he's he's giving him the evil eye, isn't he? He's. Mm. Again, such he was a good actor, old Gareth Thomas. He's he's put so much subtlety into like this episode. Really good. Um, but isn't it funny that that Raker's shtick of what he's saying is like it's almost like he's got it out of a uh, so you want to rule the meeting type mm. book for junior executives. <laughs> it's yeah, it's um, it's quite funny to watch. Yeah, absolutely. But I also like how we see Avon and you've got Jenna and you've got Gan there. You see them there, but the camera doesn't linger on them. It just passes them over, just like it does with all the other extras who are playing the prisoners. We don't focus on any of them. 
And, you know, if you're watching, you know, like your wife, if she's watching this for the first time and never seen Blake 7, didn't know anything about it or who the people were, you wouldn't really pay any attention to them because you get such a fleeting look at them at this point yeah. anyway. Yeah, and, and also in, in the next episode, Cygnus Alpha, where um, the character of Arco appears, and it, it's a well-known actor, and you th- if, if you're watching it new, with no, you think, oh, he's going to be one of the seven. And it's... Yeah, it's cleverly done that they don't. You don't get any sort of zoom-ins on Avon. Dun, dun, no. dun. It's just yeah, he wanders past, looking a bit glum, looking yeah. at his bit of paper. I wonder what's on that bit of paper. <laughs> Do you think that's his contract yeah. with the BBC? He's going, that's what, what it is. Four that's quid pay- an episode. That's what? his pay slip. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he's so dour. Yeah, but you say about Arco, but it, we're getting ahead of, of ourselves a bit here for this story. But in this story, you've got the the guy who dies by shaving foam. He yes. is kind of like the way he hangs on Blake's every word and that. He almost could be one of the crew, yeah. you know. Yeah, he you could kind be of the expect him to make yeah. it. Yeah, the wide-eyed youth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the com- compartment is opened up, and all the prisoners are told that yeah, this is going to be your world for the next eight months. Yes, the the uh, the, the time scale of this episode is weird. I've got an explanation for it. Have you? Because, yeah, you've mentioned this before, both on Effectively Speaking, when we were talking Blake 7, and in previous episodes of this one, about, you know, the Federation being the way they are. Just just get rid of them. Just kill them. Why go to all this trouble? Why not just turn them into mutoids, like we were saying, you know, in the the last episode? Yeah. 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 But I'm thinking is... You know, I mean, this is clear parallels to Australia being a prison prison colony, yeah, isn't it? True. And it was like eight months sailing away. So I think it's Terry Nation going, okay, Cygnus Alpha is uh, the science fiction Australia. It takes yeah. eight months by spaceship instead of eight months by ship. I think that it's as simple as that. I think. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It's it doesn't. You could change that to it's three days away, and it wouldn't impact the story at all. No. And you also, in this story, you don't get any uh, sense of the passage of time. There is a mention no. of it, but but everybody looks the same. Their hair hasn't grown yeah. any longer. Nobody, um, you know, is in the need of a shave. They look exactly the same eight months later as yeah. they did at the beginning. We never see a bathroom, do we? We never see a we never see a no. toilet. No. You can't go over the side like you did on your way to Australia. Well, you could, no, but you'd be in a yeah. spacesuit, and then what's the point of trying to go to the toilet outside the spaceship if you're in a spacesuit? You're just going to fill up the spacesuit. So, I, yeah, I wonder what they did with it. Perhaps that's what the the smoke coming out of the engines is. It's where they were burning the uh, the waste. <laughs> we <laughs> should say what, all those bits dropping down yeah. were oh. bits. Well, yeah. So anyway, they file off and they go and explore yeah. their fantastic, um, you know, uh, high tech world. Yeah. Yeah, and Raker is left with Blake, because, of course, Blake is... He's still strapped in his chair for insubordination, isn't he? What have we here? Another troublemaker, I hope. I didn't hear an order. You didn't hear an order, sir. Say it! I didn't hear an order, sir. That's better. What's your name? Blake. So you're Blake. Well, you made quite a name for yourself a few years back. Quite the celebrity. Something of a come down for a leader of men, isn't it? Molesting kids. The charges were false. Oh, yes, of course. Well, let me tell you something, Blake. 
As far as I'm concerned, you're just another piece of cargo. Remember that, and you might just survive the journey. Do you understand? I understand. Sir. Good. And, uh, yeah, we get a nice little, uh, oh, so you're Blake. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, we're starting to see the real Raker now, aren't we? Um, yeah, whole... it's, um, it's that it sort of comes out in little bits, doesn't it, that he is actually just a horrible person. And he, I think he sees, it's sort of that bully mentality, doesn't it? He sees Blake as this could be the, if I can break Blake. Yeah. He's a challenge, isn't yeah, he, basically? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So right once he's had a, a word with Blake, he goes through to the other compartment and immediately homes in on Jenna. Come with me. Here goes. What's your name? Jenna Stannis. Unfortunately, Jenna, there are no special facilities for female prisoners. But if you should find things difficult, I might be able to arrange something more comfortable. That's very considerate of you. Why make it hard on yourself? Why indeed? Yeah, he as the only woman on board, um, and he does say to he does call Jenna across, and he's he's smarmy nice, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he does say they haven't got facilities for women, but I don't think they've also got facilities for men, as we discussed. No. So um, yeah, so I don't know what what the because uh, he, he sort of says uh, if you know I can make it easier on you. Yes. If you if know. you're nice to me, sort of thing. Is Leslie Schofield is yeah. is playing this brilliantly, you know. Oh, he's such a good actor, isn't he's he? A he's a brilliant a actor, actor. And, and, you know, you just wouldn't trust him for one yeah. second, and you don't believe him for one second, and the smarminess. He's trying yeah. to be charming, you know. But yes, yeah. Us watching it is like, no way. <laughs> no, well, there's no there's way. an interesting bit, and it, it even though I, I know it's coming, it sort of it shocked me yesterday as well, where he's talking to Blake, and Blake says something, and then he, he shouts, Sir! Yeah. At the end of it. And it's so it's so out of the character that we've sort of gathered so far. And that's when you first think, oh, something weird's going on. And then when he does, yeah, when he does his, uh, his offer to Jenna, um, mm. I don't, I don't think Jenna uh, plays it very well. No. When it, it, he, it sounds awful, but he's, I think he's a better actor than, than she was an actress. Certainly in this scene. It's um, she's the weak point. Yes, she is, and and it's like Villa will say in a minute. It's like, well, yeah. that didn't help you or us in the slightest, yeah. and and it is. I mean, Leslie Schofield, he's brilliant in this, and the way yeah. he plays it, it again, like we were talking about, you know, the very first story, it doesn't feel very science fiction, and it no. is very grown up for want of a well, better well, phrase. Well, it is. I mean, basically, this this guy's saying, "I I won't torment you." Um, it, basically, if you let me rape you, isn't it? It's yeah. That that's his uh, offer, yeah. and, and the fact that now, Villa's yeah Villa's sort of saying, oh well, you could have at least to help us out, you could have <laughs> done that. Yeah, but that's that is classic Villa though, unfortunately. 
Leslie Schofield, the way his delivery of it, it reminds me not of traditional science fiction at that time, but it's more like something from the Sweeney, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you would get this in the Sweeney, a scene like this. Yeah, um, it's 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 played very much as as a, a realistic drama. It's not it's not uh, sci-fi as we would expect sci-fi to be in the seventies. It does no. become that, I suppose, by sort of season three, but. Yeah, it's it's played for real, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, and and, and and he gives Jenna a slap, which again yeah. is like you know it. This when you think what Doctor Who was like at the time, and we were saying as well. Also at the time, we had Logan's Run on TV, we had uh, the Tomorrow People on TV. You didn't see a female get a slap across the face in those no. shows. No, it was very much um, sort of something not to show, wasn't it? Violence to uh, to females um it, it's it's quite yeah it is quite jarring it's just it's just a, like i say it's just a shame that that bit of the scene doesn't sort of ring true to me and it's i know you know it's the it's the we're back to the the bbc's multi-camera rig setup and the angles mm. are not quite right and the slap doesn't quite work no but it's still yeah it's still a shocking idea mm. yeah but he stomps off and and leaves him alone. And Blake meets Avon for the first time as uh, Avon shows off his computer knowledge, you know, saying about yeah. how the doors work and everything. And Villa, you know, gives that quite famous introduction about the second best, you know, computer yeah. genius and who's the first, the man who caught him. Thing. It's in- interesting that at this point Villa isn't the lockbreaker. So he said, Blake asks him, says, "Do you know how those doors work?" No, no. So he's not the the master. I mean, it, it literally a couple of episodes, and he becomes the best lock breaker in yeah. the Federation. At this point, yeah, he still isn't. And I don't know whether that. I mean, you could you could retcon it and say, "Oh, it was Villa. He's a cowardly character, so he didn't want to volunteer." But I think at this point, they the characters are not quite nailed down. No, this is definitely an embryonic villa because yeah. he says that he's heard a rumour that they dumped the prisoners halfway and that's what Avon might be thinking of, doing a deal yeah. you know, with, with, with the people in charge and maybe they should kill him now, Yeah. Um, which isn't a very villa thing to say and, and it's not the villa that we're going to come to know. But I'm wondering, is this how Terry Nation saw Villa as being and why he wanted Villa killed off later on during the second series because he didn't like the way that the way that Villa was going. Yeah. Because um, so well be. yeah. in, in episode one, when uh, Villa's introduced and he's stealing Blake's watch, um, Michael Keaton's playing it very different, even in that little bit than, than he's playing it here and he play it later. So I think it was a, it was a sort of a, a, an emerging character. I don't think he, it was quite there set down. So yeah, you, you could well be right that, I think Villa was meant to be a much more hardened criminal. Yeah. Um, but it it works better the way that he's eventually played as. And I, I mean, he, he he is a bit of a, a comic character. Um, but I think that gives it that gives the character sort of legs, doesn't it? I don't think no, ha- having all yes. these having because the original idea was, wasn't it, the Dirty Dozen in space, mm. and in in the Dirty Dozen they're all pretty horrible characters, and I got a feeling. Yeah, this it may well have been toned down a bit. Mm. Certainly. Yeah, but also 
just coming up with this we've got jenna and again we're saying that embryonic and and i think you know embryonic villa um the improvements to his character and as he developed you know was for the better um i think it's the opposite with jenna yes. because here yeah. we get an embryonic jenna who shows off her pilot knowledge how much do you know about this type of ship not a lot converted deep space freighter early mark hyperdrive which needs re-stressing by the feel of things Whole lot should have been scrapped ages ago. Could you pilot her? I expect so. Why? I'm not saying that um, the actress is a is a bad actress because she's obviously done other stuff. She's very successful. But I never, I never bought the character of uh, Jenna. Um, but here, this is probably the best she gets. There's this, and then yeah. there's in Bounty, you know, where she's got, uh, there's mention of her mm. smuggling days and, you know, stuff like that. That's what I wanted to see more of. Yeah. I mean, you know, if she had been, I mean, um, the actress Sally, I can never say her surname. Nivet or Never? Is Nivet? it Nivet? Right. Yeah. If, I mean, she had come on, on board, forgive the pun, uh, because she had this, she, she was this smuggler. And if, if, if there had been more of this, you yeah. know, uh, of this, I think maybe she might have stayed for the third season yeah i think and they, they, they could have done storylines where like she's having to blake's wanting her to use her smuggling contacts and things like that i know they, mm. they did a little tiny bit of it but it could have been i mean it the show very much rapidly became the uh the avon show um and you can see because the, the Paul Darrow, in even in his first appearance here, he's brilliant. He's he's mesmerising, mm. um, and you can see exactly why he became the breakout character. Um, but I think to the detriment of everyone else, even Gan is a bit more interesting in this first episode than he becomes. Mm. Um, he's at least doing a few things. Uh, but yeah, it. I think all the rapidly all the best lines, all the best storylines, everything. It it goes to uh, Avon, doesn't it? Yeah, all the focus to shifts the, yeah, to him, doesn't definitely. it? Yeah, yeah. But next, I mean, the ship hits a lot of turbulence, and, yes. and the scanner shows. I love the scanner that they've got. My, it my wife Anne did mention that. She says turbulence in space. <laughs> like, yeah, it's all those jet X motors. That's what it is. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's energy wa waves coming from yes. these yellow swirly things that they see on the display. I, I love them. I love those yellow swirly trails. And then we get a big flash, and uh, yeah. Leyland, Leyland thinks it's a massive space battle with yeah. uh, two fleets, maybe more. There shouldn't be anything there at all. It's empty space. Nothing orbits through it. No marked space wrecks, no navigational hazards, nothing. Well, there's something there now, and our course takes us right through it. What's happening? Full spectrum shockwaves. We had one about ten minutes ago, but that was only scale two. What was the reading on that one? Seven. Right, put all sections on standby. Turbulence alert. All sections on standby. All sections well, on standby. Turbulence There's alert. Turbulence too. alert. Deflectors out. Where's the blast coming from? Somewhere in that top right-hand sector. That's total void. Not now, it isn't. Show him. I've never seen anything like that before. Can you increase magnification? We're at the limit now. What sort of range? Now about five subsects on the high D grid. Anything coming in on the communicators? No static right across the range. I suppose it could be some sort of meteorite collision. 
hell was that? I think it's a damn great space battle. Two fleets, maybe more. Well, we haven't got any heavy combat stuff in this section, have we? Well, they're not Federation ships, and that's not our battle. I want a new course. Take us round it. The three subsect margin from the outer limits of the action. Yeah, and and he also says that we've got no big sort of heavy cruisers out here, and it's not Federation anyway. Yeah. Um, which I I quite like that because it sort of builds the world a bit bigger. We've we've mentioned this before, yeah. where you'll have a throwaway line, and it's never really dwelt on, but it makes you think, oh. You know, what is all that all about? I mean, this, yeah. you know, what he says about, oh, I think there's a big space battle with two fleets, maybe. more. I mean, it's an intriguing aside, okay? But we'll skip over it for now, because our next episode, we're going to be looking at the system and the altars. Yes. So we'll be talking about that more in our next episode, okay? Yeah, the the interesting thing as well in this one is, is there's no surprise that the, this could be an alien craft. Hmm. Whereas later on they they make a big thing of that you know when Villa says that oh, oh, there's no aliens everyone came from Earth mm. but there's no yeah so again I think this is a at this point it was expected that this was a a multi uh, civilization species, yeah, yeah multi species universe yes. I want to talk about this in, in upcoming episodes, yep. so uh, we will hold off on we'll that because that. I've got things to say about that. Okay, right. But while this is happening and Leyland's doing his speculating, Blake, he's crawling through the gap between the inner and outer holes, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, and the, all this... The, the, sparsely, uh, the sparsely decorated gap. Yes, yes. Well, this is BBC. Yeah. Um, now, we were saying about, you know, um, the scene with Raker and, and Jenna was comparable to yeah. Colditz. All this bit that's coming up now is is comparable, I think, to another show that was on the BBC at the time, which is Colditz, yes. where you've got prisoners under guard and, you know, we've got to distract the guard while you, he can sneak out or lift the floorboards up to go down into the tunnel. All this was very Colditz to me, I think. And also yeah, it, the way it's all on film as well. It's not filmed on video, it's filmed on film, which is what Colditz was. It has got a very Colditz feel to me, I think. Yeah, well, I swear the, the film was because they fill it with foam and you couldn't have uh, liquids in a BBC <laughs> studio, so it would have been Elstree or something like that. But yeah, it does... It always reminds me of that Monty Python sketch. So when Blake goes through the hatch, I expect him to go, I'm on film. <laughs> <You> know, it's, <laughs> it's very it's, it's, it's very jarring, that. But uh, the other thing that, that sort of annoyed me, but then I thought I had a thought while watching it yesterday, is that it, it's always annoyed me that the guards are so stupid. They are dumb. They're dumb as as ditch water. They're they're thick as a brick. Um, but then I was thinking because um, Leyland at, at the beginning of the episode he tells uh, Raker he says I want full suppressants for the prisoners. Mm. You know I want to keep them dead. I'm thinking are the guards on <laughs> suppressants? They may because why wouldn't they be there? So all the all the when we see later in later episodes, all the citizens are drugged, mm. and Blake was drugged. So why wouldn't these people? Drug? I mean, the the command crew doesn't appear drugged, but the guards certainly do. We'll have to go back and look at yeah. that episode. The guard that's guarding this door is he near a vent, and it's actually being blown through a vent, and he's getting a full dose. It could be. Yeah, you it actually could be. You might be right. Yeah. 
he's just I mean, he's got, up. he's got a space clipboard, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he has. <laughs> and, and you know, we were saying about this as a civilian ship, that, but they've got Federation rifles, haven't they? Yes. I, I noticed yeah. that because we've, we keep saying about this. When you watch something for a podcast, you're not really, and especially you and I with Blake 7, we've watched these episodes over yeah. and over again. So you're not really watching what you're meant to be looking at, and you look elsewhere. And I noticed Start the guards this the time. Details, yeah. yeah, they've got a Federation rifle, but they've got blue boiler suits as opposed yeah. to the black boiler suits. Yeah, they they because because everyone's sort of wearing blue on the ship, aren't they? Or the mm. the command crew wearing blue tabards, and the guards are wearing blue boiler suits. But yeah, they've all got Federation armaments, which mm. we we could be prosaic and say the BBC had made them; they were going to use them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, is I would love to know where, and we never really find out. But I would love to know where the the military ends. And the civilian government begins. I suppose it's it, it we've just before it becomes a a military system, you know, totalitarian state. It, yeah, it's it, it's it's good stuff for 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 this early in the show that it's it's already you're you're even just watching this, you're sort of trying to work out how does this world work, which I think is good because because it, again it it makes it makes everything larger. You can. But if it's got a realistic world behind it, that it it, it benefits everything. It benefits all the characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you you'll forgive a lot if you think that someone's put some thought into this. It's when you mm. watch stuff and you think, oh, this 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 society can't work, and it's only there to make a statement. Mm. Yeah, I, but the, I think they. I mean, Terry Nation was all, although he's a. And this isn't meant in a, a derogatory turn. He was a hack writer. He, he was an ideas he was good, man, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, he was quite good at, you know, on these Doctor Who, so he's quite good at creating a society that's quite believable in a few lines. Mm, yes. um, and this, 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 this follows as well, that you believe, you know, because basically we're seeing, we're seeing uh, some... Shakespearean actors traipsing about on plywood in cotton tabards, but it's gripping. Yeah, you, know, it, you, you, you buy into it. You go this. along with it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, Blake asks Avon for help in getting control of the computer because, as he says, if you control the computer, you can t- control the yeah. whole ship. And uh, Avon agrees to go with it. And um, meanwhile, Artex, um, he scans and he finds that there's a large object drifting yeah. not far off. They can't see see it because of the damage that they've sustained, but they do know it's there. Um, and then that the hole gets really punctured. really well, I think, that bit. Yes. I, again, couldn't, again I, I, I don't know the actor that played uh, Artix, but I've seen him in lots of other BBC stuff. But he, he yeah, he's very good in it. And he, he, he sells you this, that there's something big, there's something unknown, yeah. and it's quite it's close. It's far away, yeah. yeah. Uh, the hole gets punctured, and yes. uh, it, it's fixed with what Jenna calls ceiling gel, which looks to be shaving foam shaving squirting foam, yeah. through up through a hole in that plywood. Um, and Villa distracts the guard, and Avon goes off down that gap to the computer room. Um, again, all yeah. on film, so you know it's all helped yeah. by that. Uh, but he's delayed because he gets to the computer room, and there's already a bloke in there. Um, so that young guy is sent to find out what's going on, and that's when he dies. I was going to say... I. He dies by shaving foam, but it doesn't. It looks like if you've put too much bubble bath in the bath and you forget about it, and when you come back, you've got, just got tons yeah, of bubbles it's, everywhere. Yeah, um, when, it, when it comes through in the studio, it's shaving foam. Mm. And Jenna 
gets a big blob on her hand. And so this is such and such sealant. It goes uh, rock solid within seconds. Well, no, it doesn't because you're, <laughs> you're playing with it in your hand. You know, you yes. could have at least wiped it off or something. Um, but yeah, when, when you're on film and they obviously they need to fill up quickly, it's very, it's very liquid. And again, I think this is, this is why it's on film, isn't it? Because, because you've got that shot of, um, there's a, he's obviously in a little perspex tank that yeah. they're filling up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember. I remember though that that stuck with me when I was uh, first watched this. I say as a kid, what would I have been nine or ten? Um, and yeah, that when I finally got to watch it on video, it was nowhere near as scary as I remembered it being. I remember it from gets, the novel. Yeah. In the novel, it's yeah. more horrifying. Yeah. Now it's like someone's left the tap running. It's like that Space yeah. 1999 episode, isn't there? Yes, when this yeah. living entity and it's just shaving foam and it fills up Moonbase Alpha. I think. I think the studios. Uh, probably all invested in a bubble machine, didn't they? Because every show seemed to have an episode that involved bubbles filling stuff up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, well, on the bridge, they realise uh, that they are on a collision course with the object. Um, um, and Avon, he's knocked out the bloke. He turns off yep. the scanners in, in, the, in the prisoners' rooms, um, has another tussle with the bloke, and he opens all the doors on the ship, doesn't he? Yeah, this, I mean... We we can scoff now because obviously computers were science fiction back then. You know they didn't. It, no one knew what computers would be or what they. And it it just amuses me that, that Avon opens all the doors by shorting two yeah. heavy duty <laughs> electrical connectors, and then he controls everything else with by inserting a telescopic car aerial into a hole raggedly cut into a a, a vac formed box yeah but, it, it's yeah, like, but what, he... whatever blake says to do poking that thing in there does it yeah but yeah. You, you say that but it's the way he does it when oh, when it when, when he says open the door later on it's the way paul darrow you yeah. know, he He's does it with, with panache props, he, yeah, he we, rams that in doesn't sword, he yeah. <laughs> all right so uh blake and Jenna, all the prisoners are out, aren't they? They've been released. Yep. And uh, Blake and Jenna, they're going off. And Blake has a shooting match with Raker around a corner. And he and Jenna take refuge in the computer room with Avon. And Blake says that they've got all the bargaining power they need. He totally has underestimated Raker here. <laughs> so he, well, he thinks he's in with a chance now. Yeah, well, Blake, throughout this, operates on the the other side will operate fairly as well. Mm. Which is, is quite interesting. You know, it is, I don't, cause I don't think the character of Blake is naive, but he, yeah, he's, he's, ex, he's not expecting what Raker does. And he sort of, he's almost peeved because they didn't play by the rules. See again, which we're again back to is that... interesting because he's expecting them to play by the rules. Yeah, we're back to embryonic again, aren't we? Because you know, in the way yeah. back, he expects to have a fair trial. In this, he expects to you know have the upper hand. This is early day, day Blake Seven. Not far off, we're going to meet Travis, and we find out that Travis and Blake have a history, and Blake indeed has had experience of this because that's. Yeah. His first encounter with Travis, when Travis lost his eye and his arm, was because of a massacre. He knows the yeah. uh, that the authority can be like this, but maybe you can explain it away, other than it being embryonic. Blake and Terry Nation hadn't written that far yet, in that maybe some of his memories are have not come back yet. You know, he's still yeah. got these yeah. false memories, and he's got 
um, a lot of his erased memories haven't come back to him yet. Yeah, you, I think you can forgive. I think it's probably quite clever that they did that because you can forgive a lot of things by saying, yeah, he his memory wasn't there or his, his brain has been tampered with. I mean, he says at one point himself, doesn't he? He doesn't know. He doesn't remember what's real and what's not. Mm. So it, it could be. But I, I, I sort of prefer this Blake than I do the later Blake where he was you know like you said he had this big history with travis and he was he'd been in battles and and i i i prefer this almost naive starting out blake Hmm. um i think it does go a little bit down the star wars either everyone ends up connected yeah um and i quite like this that no one really knows what they're doing it's it's very very british revolution he's trying to pull (laughs) yeah yeah well the other prisoners they've come to face with the guards and gan tells the guards to drop their weapons which villa does okay yeah (laughs) now i've seen a lot of folk say what an idiot villa is for doing that but i i think there's more going on here i think it's quite the contrary i think villa is far more intelligent than he actually makes himself out to be, and he plays dumb as a survival trait. Yeah. Um, in the same way, you know, in season four in Star Drive, he pretends to be drunk and tells the crew that he knew a person, and 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 he explained a way of fixing their drive yeah. by creating a gav- gravity bubble, doesn't he? And da da da. And as soon as Tarrant and Avon go off to do that, he He's he drops sober, the pretense. Yeah, yeah, yeah because well, what, he, he knows nobody off- would. Yeah, I was going to say minutes after the so so Gan says drop your guns and Villa chucks his down. M- seconds later, they gun down the other guy. This is so what I was Villa was re- really quite clever. I yeah. think I he, think here Villa knows that you, you, you know it can only end in a bloodbath, so he drops yeah. the gu- the gun to stop that happening. Villa is not as dumb as he makes himself out to be. No, it's a survival I, I trait, I think. Yeah, I think he's much more intelligent because they sort of say that he he he's not a D-class citizen. He had sort of fudged the records because no one expects anything from a stupid yeah. person. And I think, yeah, I think this is this is the start of that. And that's what I say. Although I don't think the his not knowing how the doors worked was this. You can you can quite easily say, yeah, it was. He was just being. He didn't yeah. want to get involved because he knew that Blake would immediately ask him to open the doors. Yeah. But, yeah I'll tell you what, you've just reminded me of another one, you know, in season three, uh, Mulock, where um, Villa says to Tarrant, you know, I, w- I-, I was given this uniform. I didn't steal it like you did, sort of thing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, or, I like Villa. Good oh, I love Villa, yeah. So Commander Leyland, he tries to barter with Blake, but he doesn't get anywhere. Um, you know, he says, you know, we're coming up on an object and yeah. uh, blah, blah. And Blake's like, well, you better, you know, make your mind up quick then. Um, and Blake says that they that they want just want to be put down on a habitable planet. And he, yeah, as I say, he doesn't care that there's an object coming towards them. No. Um, so from, from Leyland's point of view, that Blake is quite willing to kill everyone. Hmm. So... The, then he he lets Raker do his bit, so I yeah it's you've almost it, it sounds awful doesn't it you've almost got to admire Raker a little bit in that what he does works. Mm. I know it, it's a horrible thing that he does, but Blake has just said to them that he's willing to kill them all. Yeah, or let them all die. You know semantics there. Um, 
so yeah it's <coughs> it's uh it's a horrible thing raker then does but almost justified I, I like Other the way, than, yeah. yeah, I like when Leyland is on the communicator talking to Blake, you know, yeah. uh, and they're outside the door. In the background, you've got Raker, and, and he's, he's, he's sussing it all out. He, yeah. he's, you can see on Leslie Schofield's face, you know, yeah. he's like, mm-hmm, I've got a chance here. And uh, he, he says, he goes straight across to Leyland, he says he can get him out there, and very slyly says that he wants Leyland's full authority to yes, do whatever knows, is needed to yeah. do. He knows what he's going to do. He's already worked out how to get Blake out there. Yeah. He's already sussed Blake. He knows what to do. But he puts this caveat in. Um, I can do it, but you've got to give me full yeah. authority. I.e., you know, if my neck is on the line, so is yours, mate. So is yours, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, yeah, he covers his back, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really do get the impression Rake has been doing stuff like this before. I really yeah. do. Yeah, he's right. um he would he would fit well in with the federation on wouldn't he? He would. He I think certainly he, he, would. He was wasted here. <laughs> back in the computer room, Blake says that he intends to go back to Earth and destroy the evil regime, which Avon can't quite believe. And we have the most brilliant face-off between those two. Yes. Yeah, he like I say this is this is sort of their almost their first conversation, and we've already set, having a fight. <laughs> yeah, we, we've set that. That Avon thinks Blake is a, an idiot. Yeah. And that there's no way he's idealistic like Blake is. It's, mm. it's really good, top quality writing, some really good lines at this scene as well. What do you think they'll do? Their time's running out. So's ours. We have less to lose. You may have, but I value my life. Assuming they do land us somewhere, what then? Find a way of getting back to Earth. Back to Earth? Yes, that's what the heart of the Federation is. I intend to see that heart torn out. I thought you were probably insane. That's possible. They butchered my family, my friends. They murdered my past and gave me tranquilized dreams. At least you're still alive. No, not until free men can think and speak. Not until... Power is back with the honest man. Have you ever met an honest man? Perhaps. Listen to me. Wealth is the only reality. And the only way to obtain wealth is to take it away from somebody else. Wake up, Blake. You may not be tranquilized any longer, but you're still dreaming. Maybe some dreams are worth having. You don't really believe that. No, but I'd like to. Yes. Well, you asked me what I was going to do, and I've told you. What you do is up to yourselves. Right. A new identity. A job in the Federation banking system. Three months with their computers, I could lift a hundred million credits, and nobody would know where they went. Then let anyone try and touch me. And the rest? Have the same chance as I have. It is brilliant. And it's a shame yeah. it ends, but it end it does, because they're interrupted by a raker. He's gathered all the prisoners together and tells Blake to turn on his video screen. Yes. Do you have a clear view of our little assembly, Blake? We see you. Then lock off the scanner and keep watching. Ah! Ah! I'm going to kill one of your friends every 30 seconds starting now. I'll stop when you give yourselves up or I run out of prisoners. Raker, listen to me. 
Hey, goddamn you, those men are unarmed. The talking's over, Blake. Let me talk to Leyland. Open the door. You're throwing away our only chance. Open the door! Um, and he says he'll ki- kill a prisoner every 30 seconds until he gives himself up or he runs out. Or he of runs out, yeah. Yeah. Now, Blake being Blake, of course, he, he's got he's got to um, give up. So he gives Avon the order to open the door and demands that Raker be told that he's given in. Yeah. So some guy goes off. Um, Raker's told and quite blithely then just shoots someone anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, he... Um... Without even aiming, he just yeah, he it's, just it's shoots, so nonchalant, and you yeah. just see a, an extra fall over. It's it's weird that this is again. I don't know how much Terry Nation actually wrote of this, as in detail, but it's weird that then in Destiny of the Daleks, a Doctor Who story that was like a couple of years later, you get almost the exact same scene, mm. and Raker out Daleks the Daleks. <laughs> He could, he could. You could see him in in a Dalek yeah. shell, couldn't you? you yeah, know? yeah. He's, <laughs> he's pretty much there. Mm. All right. So uh, Blake demands that Raker be arrested, um, and comes out. They come out, and I, I love the whole Raker. Oh, you could have won, Blake. Yeah. And and gives him a thump, and and yeah. then and then says, um, "Take them back. Leave the girl. We've got things to settle." Yeah, and Leyland says, "Have you taken leave of your senses?" Again, but again. Not, I mean, yeah. I think I think the ten years earlier, the ten years younger, you know, Leyland would have laid into him, you know, yeah. and and it would have stopped there. But he's he's just so worn down by everything. It's like, have you taken leave yeah. of your senses? And that's the the strongest warning he gives to Raker. Yeah, and it's almost like he's not objecting to Raker's behaviour, merely his timing, mm. which is, you know, again, it's. Yeah, I think I think Raker's broken, Leyland. He, you know, he's 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 willing to put up with too much at the moment, isn't he? He's and he's outmaneuvered he's him as well because, yeah. of course, he's like, well, the report will say, you know, that you know, you gave full authority, blah yeah. blah blah. He, he, he's 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 a slippery one, is this Raker? Yes, and and Leyland's only comeback is to say that everything will go into the report, which is not much of a comeback, is it? It's like. I, yeah, I'll take you down, but yeah, it'll be the end of me as well. You could have won, Blake. All you needed was guts. I'll settle for yours. Take him back. Put them in close confinement. Not the girl! She and I have some unfinished business. Or did you think I'd forgotten? Mr. Raker, have you gone completely mad? Put it with the others. Mr. Artix, get a technical squad in there. I want that computer fully functional in ten minutes. Yes, sir. Mr. Raker. This time you went too far. There'll be an official inquiry. Naturally, sir. And I'm sure you'll confirm that I was acting with your full authority. There were other officers present who heard you give me permission to do whatever was necessary. 
everything that was said and done by everybody, including me, will be in my report. So Blake, Avon and Jenna are put back into confinement, much to Avon's disgust, and uh, Artek gets the computer back on. Um, then the visuals come back on, and we get yeah. this the shot of the whole the series. Shot. Now, yeah, you and I have waxed lyrical about this. Yes. I, um, anybody who wants to, to hear two grown men, um, you know, going weak <laughs> at the knees over over one shot of a model spacecraft, seek out the effectively speaking episode where we talk about this because, yeah, uh, yeah we gushed a lot on that one, didn't we? It's it's uh, it's the money shot, isn't it? It is the money shot and terrific music as well. You know, yes. that music can yeah. be more, you know, appropriate when we do see that. Um, and, you know, Raker's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe yeah. it. So so there is an inference already, you know, that this ship is unlike anything that anybody in the Federation has ever seen before. It is an yeah. alien spaceship it's alien, from a different yeah. world, but it's not like, oh, that's impossible. It's just like, I don't believe it. About time, sir. About time. We have normal functions and all systems. The face men. Have we got scan yet? Not yet. Give me a blind reading on that echo. It's very close. These readings have got to be wrong. We've got the scan back. Right, get me a picture. I don't believe it. Take us in as close as you can, Mr. Ranger. Yes, sir. Where could you have come from? I've never seen a ship like that before in my life. She seems to be drifting, Mr. Raker. Maintain this distance. Right, sir. Try and make contact, Mr. Roddix. Sound and vision. This is Civil Administration Ship London, out of Earth, bound for Cygnus Alpha. Please identify yourself. she was involved in that space battle we picked up. She got caught in the big blast and the crew were either killed or got out in the life rockets. It's possible. No visible sign of damage though. No sign of life either. Well, if she's been completely abandoned... We could put on a boarding party. You know how much that ship would be worth in prize money if we could get her to a Federation planet? Millions of credits. Millions. Leave a skeleton drawer. We could do that. It's got to be worth a try. Yes, it has. Now, over on Star Wars in character, okay, mention is sometimes made on how sometimes the most insignificant person can be, you know, through their actions. Uh, Their actions can hugely determine the way things go. I mean, they mention on the show the in the very first Star Wars film, when R2-D2 and C-3PO, they get in the escape pod and they blast away from the blockade runner, there is an officer there who tells the gunner to hold his fire and not shoot the escape yeah. pod because there's no life signs aboard. Now, yeah, if and he... laser bolts cost a bit of money, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if, 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 if he hadn't said that, yeah. the droids would have been destroyed, you would have had no Star Wars, right? Just through that action of the guy saying, hold your fire. Everything could have changed. And here in Blake 7, it's Raker. If he doesn't suggest putting a boarding party on board, we'd have no Blake 7, would we? Yeah, I want, Yeah, that's interesting. Because where would... So so let, let's... Hy- I can't even say the word. Hy- Hypothesise. Hypothesise, that's the word. Let's go. make up a bit of stuff. Um, yeah, so 
had Leyland said, no, we're not we're not going near that. You've already cost me too much paperwork. Um, presumably, shortly after that, Blake would have had an accident in an airlock. Mm-hmm. The rest of the people would have gone to Cygnus Alpha. Servalab uh, would have still taken control of the Federation, but without Blake would have been very successful. Because as we've said before, like, Travis and Servalance, their, their plans are very clever. They should work. They only yes. don't work because they're the villains. Um, so the galaxy would have been a completely different. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, okay, they move on to Cygnus Alpha. They would have marked somehow the Liberator. The Federation would have then taken possession of the yeah. Liberator. And, you know, later on in Season 3, I think it is, Servalance says, a pattern for a fleet. You know, so presumably yeah. the Federation would have used the Liberator, you know, extrapolated the information from it, and they would have had a whole new fleet of super duper spacecraft patterned after the Liberator. That, yeah, so the Federation would have just gone in an even worse direction and more invulnerable yeah. direction, all thanks to Sub Commander Raker. And then when the system would have come to find the original Liberator to be met with a fleet of. Liberators, <laughs> all painted rust red. There you go. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a little model for there's you. a modeling thing for me. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Liber- let's do it. The Federation alter- version of the Liberator. Oh, yeah. Ian, you got my, my creative juices yeah, flowing. Right. And all it wouldn't, right. of course, have been called the Liberator. It'd have been like the Destructor or the Destructor, the Pummelator, the Executor. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a different one. Now we're back to Star Wars. Oh. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I love the whole. It's worth a try from Leyland, you know. Yeah, uh, it's, it, that's a nice, nice. Yeah, I'd written that down in my notes. That yeah, that's a lovely little bit where he is. It, it's it, it's played so realistic. It's like, yeah, let's give it a go. He's actually animated for this downbeat yeah, person. He's actually animated ever. the idea. Yeah, and he says to put a boarding tube across. Uh, now we're having some excellent model work here. I mean, you know, as we say. Ian Schoons, you know, when he got the gig for for special effects for Blake 7, you know, he did a ton of model work on film, which always yeah. looks better. Um, and do, do, do you know that anecdote about when they were doing all, all these first shots, you know, the reason why the London looks got so good taking off, why it looks so good alongside the Liberator, why the Liberator in that beauty shot is so good, was because Ian Schoons blew near, nearly the whole budget for season one in one go, thinking yeah, that was I'd, the budget for the first for the episode. episode. Yeah, I'd, yeah I'd, I've heard this. I don't know. What that, it, it sounds a little bit apocryphal to me. It does a bit. The BBC, but, but I love it though. I, I, I love the idea of yeah. that. But uh, it looks terrific. You know, when you've got that establishing shot of the London alongside the Liberator, you're in no doubt that this is a massive, massive spaceship yeah. that they've just encountered. And the next bit where you see the travel tube coming out from the London going across, that looks terrific as well. Yeah, it looks really good. And um sorry, just dropped sound. Um the uh when the, the travel tube goes off and then they show the interior, that looks really good as well. Even though it's yeah. lit from outside, which, you know, is a little bit strange. And I, I was thinking yesterday watching it, did they make this or was this did I've seen these before. Yeah, no, it's it's in some sort. I don't know. It's in some sort of agricultural use or something. I've seen these before, where you have to go from one like you know in inflated you know greenhouse right. type thing to another. I'm sure it's something like that. I'm sure they went on location to film this. I don't it think this sense. was set up at the studio. 
Because it looks too nice for them, the BBC, to have just mocked it up, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no, no. I, no yeah, it's it's too good to be the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about BBC, um, two guys called Wallace and Tiger kitted out in survival suits, yeah. which looked like white boiler suits to me, and um, helmets that looked to be based from the same climbing helmet as the Federation Guards. Yeah, with e- electrical chocolate blocks just stuck yeah, around. Yeah, the they're connecting them, blocks yeah. all the way around, yeah. aren't they? Yes. Um, the only niggle I've got in this from a special effects point of view is when that travel tube goes across and docks on the Liberator, why is the Liberator hull tinted yellow? Uh, perhaps it was, perhaps like the Nostromo, it was going to be yellow. I don't know. Don't know. Oh, right. They, they the, then got yeah. round for a respray on that bit. Yeah, possibly. Uh, the other thing that annoys me a bit watching it last night or yesterday was the fact that they show both the the London hatch and the liberator hatch and it's exactly the same hatch with yeah. the same weathering panel bits on it and it's like oh they could have at least not you've just shown one or not shown the other it's not that alien a ship after all then is it no no it's no. using exactly the same door as the london yeah no response circuit three no wait it's opening Powerful light source from somewhere. We're going in now. Krell, get kitted up and stand by to get back up if it's needed. Yes, sir. We're in some sort of a cylinder. Type of airlock, I think. It's turning. It's fantastic, sir. I, I don't believe it. What is it? What's happening? Well, we've come out into what must be some sort of a flight deck, I think, but it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Well, describe it later. Now, now, give me life support reader. Pressure normal, minimal radiation, breathable oxygen atmosphere. Good, good. Now, is there anybody on board? Not that we've seen so far, but... Uh, I, I'm sorry, what was that? I didn't speak. Somebody did. Somebody said something... But they manage to get the door open and they go in. Now, we don't see them. This is all on audio now. We just hear that they're in some sort of airlock that turns like a screw airlock. And they they immediately come out onto the flight deck, they say. Now, at no point any time in the whole series after this do you see a door right next to the flight deck. That airlock was right next to the flight deck. But you never see a door like that, do you? No. And also, isn't it really lucky? Because they're not looking for a door. They just... They just clamp it on and then say, "Oh, there's a hatch here." It must and isn't be a it door. lucky that? Yeah, isn't it lucky that that's right by where the there's no they don't have to walk for twenty minutes. For all they know, that hatch is the toilet. You know, that's yeah. you, you know, like Empire Strikes Back, where you dump your garbage before you yeah. go off to light speed. Maybe well, that's it, what that was. Yeah, it's it it's also similar to the when you know the Millennium Falcon lands on the Death Star and just happens to land within walking distance of the princess's cell whereas it's the size of a moon size of a moon yeah yeah <laughs> funny that um so, pra- so at least they can claim it's the force doing that i yeah. don't know what we can claim in blake seven the budget is doing that that's the budget yeah it's not the force yeah. it's the budget it's okay. the budget yeah yeah so these two guys so they say there's no one there and then one of the guys hears something and then yeah. we just get static uh so it's they say so much backup. better that it's just audio as well isn't it yeah yeah, so you, you can you can picture what it would have looked like as with the again with the budget in play, um, but it it works so well. It's so creepy that it's just on audio. Mm. 
Yeah, and and it's, it's even creepier when they send a backup man and he goes across yeah. and he he says he hears whispering and then re- seems to recognise someone and wonders what they're doing to him and then screams no. Yeah. Um, and again, we're back to the pivotal moment because Raker again is in charge of destiny because he tells Leyland send prisoners yeah. across because Leyland doesn't want to send any risk any more men. Again, he's down. He's a decent captain, isn't he? He doesn't want to risk yeah, any more. He doesn't want to risk it. Raker being Raker says. We'll use prisoners. And here we have this divergence in, in, in fate. Now listen to me, Krell. If I have no signal from you within three minutes, I'm withdrawing the transfer tube. Three minutes. Wait! We can't give up that easily. That ship's worth a fortune. Looks like I've already lost three men. I'm not risking any more of my crew. Then use prisoners! They've got nothing to lose. Use Blake and the other two. Let them take the risks. Why not? We might save the other three. Right. At least we'll have tried. Right, get them equipped and bring them down here. If he hadn't suggested that, they, again, they might have severed the tra- travel tube, uh, uh, and that's the end of it. Yeah, but he also, he not only says, let's use prisoners, he then goes, send Blake, Jenna and Avon. <laughs> so it could have, I mean, you could have ended up with Villa and someone else going across. You know, yeah. Villa and Gan, they wouldn't have lasted two seconds, would they? Or Gan and Arco. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been... Yeah, it could have been a different show, couldn't it? All right, so just, R3... Just six, are... we, we would have had 12 episodes of Gan just hitting the flight controls. <laughs> Why won't it work? <laughs> so R3 are sent across. Uh, they have their blasters thrown through the door just as it closes. Yeah. Very and I, wise, When he does that, Blake. I think, don't throw them. Yes. Oh, you're like me. Every time yeah. anybody throws down a teleport bracelet yeah, or, or a gun, it's like, ouch. Because yeah. there, there is a proper plasticky, plasticky uh, clatter, isn't there, every yes. time. Yeah. yeah. But uh, before they go through, though, the door opens and the third bloke comes out. He's insane yeah. and foaming at the mouth. And, uh, Perhaps that's where the foam came from earlier. I don't know. What, he's the generator? Yeah, he's a generator. That was Could his job be. on the ship, just gargling yeah. foam into the walls. <laughs> Jerry Generator was his name. That's him. Yes, yeah. Uh, they find a second body at the Liberator's door, and uh, they go onto the flight deck, and we see it for the first time. And, you know, as beautiful as the exterior of the Liberator is, the flight deck, I mean, it's just, well, it's it, that's a stunning design, is it not? It is. It's, it's so different to the, the London's, like you say, 1970s Doctor Who. Hmm design this is this is it is beautiful it's been there's obviously money gone on to this yeah oh roger yeah. murray Again, leach yeah. He, yeah. he he earned his pay packet because he designed this and he designed the actual uh exterior of the liberator which was very rare yeah. at the time but yeah, uh, does, yeah jenna's right it, yeah. it is beautiful but yeah, they don't do a, sorry i was gonna say they don't do a particularly good introductory shot of it they do they they very pedestrian mm. direction the music's um, good, yeah, yeah. But 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 in later episodes, you you've got a panning shot. I seem to remember quite yeah. high up where the camera sweeps along. You know, yeah, that something would have been like nice. that would have been lovely. Yeah, yeah. But they find the third guy dead, and uh, then they see a pulsing brain thing hovering in the air, and a whine starts, and uh, we see what they see. We see Jenna's mother in some sort of trouble, yeah, and uh, what we learn to be Avon's brother, who's never mentioned again. 
in the entire series. I don't know if he was ever mentioned in fan fiction or at all or anything. Oh, probably. I, I tried not to read too much fan fiction of Lake Seven. It's almost uniformly awful. Yeah, I, I started, you know, when yeah. fanzines first started coming out and rapidly went off of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, never but, has a, a fan uh, created thing been so full of Mary Sue characters, is it? It's just terrible. Yeah. All right, well, Blake snaps out of it and he shoots the pulsing thing. What was it? I don't know. I saw my mother. So real. And something terrible, a nightmare. What's my mother? I saw my brother. It used him like bait. I had to go closer. And if you had, it would have killed you. No, that thing took an image out of your mind, a memory, and then projected it back at you as though it were real. Why didn't it affect you? It did. But somehow I knew it wasn't real. <laughs> Seems I can recognize dreams. Blake, are you all right? Yes, we're all right. We're still checking. Stay in contact, Blake. Get me a survival unit. What are you going to do? They're still alive. I'm going to make sure they don't get any ideas about staying over there. Breaker? Yes, sir. Blake, this would account for what happened to the crew. What is it? Life rocket launch control. It's been operated. But why? Maybe that thing drove them out. I imagined it was some kind of defense mechanism. Could this ship operate under her own power? I don't see why not. But could you pilot her? Eventually I might just be able to make a start and stop. Got two minutes, no more. Help her, Raven. What are you going to do? Check the outer hatch in case someone decides to try and join us. And Leyland calls in and, and asks what's going on, and Raker immediately smells a rat. He knows, you know, something's up because they're still alive. Yeah. Um, no, I was just, I was going to say, yeah, he, he once again showing that he's sort of the, the cleverest one amongst the crew, Raker. Uh, but then I thought, yeah, perhaps we shouldn't be. Yeah, building him up like that. No, I don't think it's cleverest. Yeah. It's a case yeah. of this is he's, what I would do if I was cunningest. in his shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is sly, isn't he? And he's yeah. cunning. Yeah. Um, the three over on the Liberator, they start looking at the controls, and I start yeah. to have a isn't problem that the at this teleport? point. Isn't that the teleport control that they look at? Well, this is where I'm starting to have a problem because you know it's a totally alien craft. Yet Avon can read the display. I think yes. you're right. I think it is the teleport. But he can read the display and tell that the life rockets have been launched. Yeah, that is funny. The... That he he goes, he does that click of his fingers and he goes, look at that. Uh, what's it? He uses a weird word. He says, look at that display to Jenna. It's like, really? What? Yeah. How do you know that's a display? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's an alien ship. That you, You've got all these, um, you, you, there's all these controls. There's no lettering on them, but he seems no. to be able to know that the life rockets have been launched. Yeah, I think and he's just he's just um he's just trying it on, isn't he, to impress Blake? I think maybe that's just, what it is. Yeah. 
That's what it is. And Jenna says she might be able one day to make it start and stop, but Blake tells her she's got minutes, basically. Yeah, you've got two minutes. Because that, you know, that's all you need to, to do this sort of stuff is a, an arbitrary sort of uh, deadline, isn't it? It mm. concentrates the mind, so... Mm. We'll be talking about this in in a later episode where we talk about the Liberator. But uh, Blake goes to shut the hatch and gets shot yeah. by Raker. Twice. Um, twice, yes. <laughs> Doesn't um, seem to do him any harm. No. Oh, very good. Um, Avon <laughs> closes the hatch and yeah. uh, the ship moves away. Okay. Yeah. Now, Raker is sucked out into space. Now, the London and the travel tube look fantastic. But you've got the Peter Pan wires that Leslie yeah. Schofield is on, um, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah, BBC and Kirby wires never go together well, do they? It it just looks... I mean, it's nice that they've made the effort, because they could have just had a little cardboard cutout swirling about or something. But uh, yeah, it doesn't quite, doesn't quite work. No. But it's that 70s telly thing again, isn't it? You know, yeah. 70s telly. I don't know about you. I mean, your, your family were science fiction fans. My family yeah. wasn't. And all these I'm watching on my, like, 12-inch black and white portable in my bedroom, I don't think I would have spotted the wires back then. No, well, we, we certainly only had black and white at the time, but it would have been probably like a 22-inch black and white radio rentals right. uh, right. TV. Yeah, but, yeah, you, pro- yeah you, wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have noticed the wires. No, no. But now watching it, I mean, you've got it on yeah. Blu-ray. I've got it on oh, DVD. Gotcha. I've got a whacking rabbit TV, and yeah. it's like, yes, you can see all this. But no, the London and the travel tube—they look, they they look great. Yeah. Um, one thing I should should correct because I realised that um, in one of the earlier ones I did say um, mine aren't Blu-ray, mine are DVD. I don't oh, know why. I was, thinking, I was thinking of Space 1999 season one. Oh right. Uh, that right. I sent off. Yeah, this is the is the Dutch DVD set. Oh um, right, re- really nice picture. But yeah, so just in case anyone does comment and say, uh, "What are you doing with crap?" I was, <laughs> I was. Okay, all right, fair enough. But that's the end of our of yeah. our character. He, he he sucked off into space, and it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the wires, and that's unfortunate. But you know, later on in this series, um, you have other people succumbing to death by space, and they are far less convincing than you know a guy being pulled along on two wires. Yeah, well, we get the uh, the very next episode. We get the um, Brian Blessed, Mister Blessed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So Blake he says to follow the London to Cygnus Alpha as he needs to get a crew, and that's the yeah. that's how this episode finishes. End of part two, basically, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I um I'd misremembered it slightly. I I thought they spoke to Zen. But that's not till next episode. I think uh, the problem you've got there yeah. is you and I, you know... Compilation. We, <laughs> compilation. We we, we, yeah. we slavishly watched them, didn't we, over yes. and over again. That's yeah. why it was quite startling when the DVDs actually... No, the videos came out, you know, uncut. You know, yeah. it, was, it, it, it was quite jarring, actually, to see new scenes that you had completely forgotten put in. Yeah, and, and it almost you know, felt wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's because Didn't you're it? so used yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching Time Squad... Um, the fourth episode is a fourth fourth episode um, mm. because on the that was the one that was most heavily cut on the compilation and there's a whole subplot isn't there? It's like what? Yeah, that's, that's, that wasn't in it. Mm, right. Okay. So that's the uh, that's the episode, not the episode. Yep. Uh, I've got to think of another word for this because I keep saying episode about the thing we're doing and the episode the thing that we're talking about. That's that's this tale over. Let's yeah. let's put it that way. So a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, 
uh, this was the first episode to be filmed, but of course it's the second story, but it was the first one to be filmed. Right. Okay. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, this this episode, it was edited for all its video releases. Okay. Yes. There were yeah, yeah. approximately four seconds were cut where Avon gives a guard a double-handed blow a to each side yeah. of his head. Um, it's, because it's the... the the Tango Man effect again, isn't it? There you is go. It, this is that, this that is was, way yeah. before the Tango Man, but at the time the BBFC said, yeah. "Well, if you're going to keep that in, that's an 18 certificate." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, yes. I mean, kids could could and probably would and did copy it. I would imagine. Mm, uh, yeah. Like like the BBFC, I don't bother about facts. I just think what what would happen. Um, but yeah, it is. Because when when the compilations did come out and uh, people were saying that this was edited, and you watch it and you think, what? They, they can't, what? Hmm. But it, it's only a couple of seconds, isn't it? Like you said. That's right. Yeah, it says here the first unedited release was on DVD in really? 2004 when it came out. Okay, uh, apparently. Yeah. Right, Leslie Schofield, um, terrific actor. Yeah. Um, been in an awful lot of stuff. I mean, we're focusing on the you know the science fiction fantasy uh, elements of you know the actors that we discuss, but we know him from an awful lot of stuff outside oh, of that. He, I mean, he's that face, isn't he? Where you you see a face and go, oh, it's him. You might not everywhere. know his name, but you've seen him in everything. You know, every, or pretty much every sitcom going. Yeah, uh, he's the slightly angry neighbour or person in a newsagent or yeah. prison guard. Or... I mean, a lot of people here in Britain know him as Jeff in uh, EastEnders. Yeah, but the problem I've got with Le- Leslie Schofield is he is just so memorable as Raker mm. that he's indelibly imprinted on my mind as Raker. So. I don't watch EastEnders, but if it would be on and he would be there, it's like, oh, there's Raker in the East End. You know, everything, well, he's, he's Raker yeah. in everything. Well, at, at a certain point when EastEnders was the Blake Seven uh, pension fund. <laughs> if, it's yeah, like the if, Elephant's if, Graveyard, wasn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> they, they were drawn to Walford. Um, if you're if you have trouble buying these characters as or these actors as other characters, yeah, you you wouldn't have got much out of EastEnders. No, because <laughs> everyone was on it at one point. All right, okay, right. So we'll go on to the uh, the tallies then for Leslie yes. Schofield. All right, I, now, I he... predict a high tally. As I think I said to you yesterday, I think this he's going to. I think this could be one of our our sort of uh, pacemakers. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, really? I mean, oh, you, you, you know. Um, as of us recording this, in the genre tally section, yeah. you know, Dev Tarrant is still um, um, in the lead. Um, yeah. Leslie Schofield um, does have a distinction of creating a brand new tally for us today. But if we start with a genre tally, he has a genre tally of eight. Okay. That's now, pretty respectable. It's respectable, but it's not as high as the 10 of Dev Tarrant, you see. But, uh, yeah, he was in Department S, okay. Yeah. Uh, Randall and Hopkirk. Uh, Doomwatch. Uh, quite, quite quite a few characters that seem to be appearing in. Do- it seems to be Doomwatch and Survivors a lot yes. of uh, actors appeared in. Um, you will know, twice he's appeared in Doctor Who, okay. Yes, yeah. Uh, he was Caleb the lead- or Caleb? Caleb, yeah, in the face of evil, Leela's first story. And he was also in the war games. 
Now, the War Games was a Doctor Who story I didn't see for a very, very long time, and it was kind of yeah. like low, low down on the list on, on my DVD purchases. And when I finally got to watch it, and up he pops. It's like <laughs> Rakers. <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> it's <there>. Raker. <laughs> Um, the the next thing he's in after Doctor Who again, um, he's in Star Wars. He's yes, the guy that um, you know um, is talking to Darth Vader quite a bit. But again, it's like that's Raker on the Death Star. Is he the is he the guy that that points out to Grand Moff Tarkin that there's a? Yep, yep. Uh, We've analysed so, so their attacks, sir. Once again, the the cleverest guy in the fleet. He can see what's coming. He, it's Raker, isn't it? He, that was that was his job. That was his brother. Ah, I tell you what, you've just yeah. given me a, a mental image. He, yeah, he says to Tarkin, "We've analysed their escape, uh, yeah. their attack, and there, there is a, a chance. Shall I prepare your ship?" And you know, uh, Peter Cushing goes, "Evacuate in our moment of triumph." Blah blah. blah. I bet that character then went to the ship and said, right, yeah. Tarkin's on his way, prep the ship, and he just gets on it, and yeah. he's off out of there just before it blew up. I bet you. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Then then he got a job as uh, on, on the Federation. Mm. There you there. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we've got it nailed. Right, after Star Wars, he, he is Raker. He's in Blake 7, and he, his final genre appearance, it was in Rent-A-Ghost. Oh, wow. As a pirate. Fair okay. enough. Yeah. So, yeah, genre tally of eight. That gives him a who tally of two for the war games and the face of yeah. evil. But as I say, he has started up a new tally now, Star Wars tally of one, being in Star Wars A New Hope. All right? Excellent. Okay. Right, that's it. That's this episode over. Um, so um, stay tuned, folks, for the next one. Uh, next time, we're going to focus on the creators of The Liberator, and try to figure out what the heck's been going on. So stay tuned, and we'll be back soon.